0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about new indictments in the Con Ed bribery scheme that implicates House Speaker Michael Madigan, new COVID-19 mitigation, and more. We'll also get commentary from The Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the Madigan revelations and reaction to more pandemic executive orders. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The
1: Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer's sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com.
0: Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week House Speaker Michael Madigan denies knowing anything about a bribery scheme. Federal prosecutors indicted four individuals in late Wednesday. Republicans wanted him to testify in front of a House committee. Utility ComEd has admitted it paid $1.3 million to Madigan Associates over nine years in an effort to influence the Speaker. Late Wednesday, two former ComEd officials were charged, as were two Madigan Associates, including Michael McClain. Madigan said in a statement, if there was an attempt to influence him, it was never made known to him. Bribery, he said, would have been profoundly unwelcome. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin said Madigan, this is head in the sand.
1: This is far from over. Your statement today, which you released this morning, sets up the
0: old ostrich defense or sticking your head in the sand. But everyone involved in this process knows you are fully aware of all matters
1: of politics and legislation in Illinois, either under the roof
0: or outside the roof. State Representative DM Mizaki said Wednesday's indictments proof Madigan knew when McLean called the speaker to tell him about pushback for a ComEd board post Madigan was allegedly seeking. We know from public reports that Mike McLean's phone was wiretapped. This indictment would not be recounting this statement between Mike McLean and Speaker Madigan in a phone call if they didn't have it recorded, Mizaki and other Republicans demanded the House Special Investigating Committee into Madigan's conduct meet and subpoena the speaker to testify. Chairman Chris Welch said they're still waiting for ComEd to produce requested documents before they convene again. As more and more Illinois House Democrats defect from supporting House Speaker Michael Madigan, Republicans are demanding a vote on a new speaker immediately. Every two years, the Illinois House votes for Speaker. Madigan's held the spot for all but two years since 1983. Madigan's been implicated in several federal indictments against other people, but hasn't himself been charged with crime. State Representative Stephanie Kifowitz said there's a sea change within the Democratic caucus.
2: There were three more uh, Democratic representatives that said they will not vote for uh, Michael Madigan as Speaker. Uh, yesterday we saw four individuals that wrote a letter and said that he should step aside. So as it stands today, it does not look like Speaker Madigan has the votes to retain the Speakership.
0: Kifawit is vying for the Speakership. Democratic State Representative Will Gazardi said from his count, there are 15 House Democrats that now publicly committed not to vote for Madigan. He said it's time to start talking about who can get 60 votes. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin was joined with other Republicans in urging Pritzker to call for a special session and pressure Madigan out. He needs to step down immediately as a speaker and begin a process of the Democrats putting in a new speaker so there will
1: be a new day for the state.
0: Pritzker didn't say if he'd call a special session but said the pay-to-play conduct outlined in the indictments is unspeakably wrong and Madigan must answer questions.
3: Written statements and dodged investigatory hearings are not going to cut it. If the Speaker cannot commit to that level of transparency, then the time has come for him to resign as Speaker. The
0: General Assembly canceled fall session and aren't back until sometime in January. And with new COVID-19 mitigation orders from the governor, lawmakers continue to feel left out. Some are looking to represent their constituents and plans that are changing Illinois' economic landscape. Since March, businesses have been on and off and on again, with capacity limits bouncing all around the place, all driven by the Pritzker administration's use of data it reports out. When asked Thursday to explain restrictions on gyms, Pritzker was visibly frustrated.
3: I'm not going to have individual discussions right here about each one of these items. Happy to have you review them all and then come back, talk to a doctor.
0: Some lawmakers said daily press conferences aren't enough. They've called for detailed public hearings. There's also frustration the fall session was canceled and the governor doesn't seem poised to call a special session. State Representative Avery Bourne said it's time to bring lawmakers back.
2: And that we have a full and transparent plan. We deserve the concrete data that we've been demanding for months. We need this. The public needs this and deserves this. We need hearings. We need audits and we need formal
0: legislative input. Democratic State Representative Robert Martwick said the governor is being transparent with the metrics he's used and the actions he's taken and the governor has the authority to act on an executive basis short-term.
1: But long-term policies Should be set out by the General Assembly. That's our role. So yeah, we absolutely should be having um, hearings and discussions and, um, you know, we should be playing a role in this this process.
0: It's been eight months of executive orders shaping the state's economy in the era of novel coronavirus. Bourne said she wants to rein in the governor's authority.
2: The legislature can and should pass a law that says that the governor can issue one emergency executive order and then needs to come back to the legislature for more response.
0: Lawmakers are off until sometime in January, returning to Springfield just before the new legislature is seated. Despite the governor's five-year budget projection announcing the administration will work with lawmakers to close loopholes and adjust taxes, he says the focus right now is on tax cuts. The governor Monday was asked what kinds of tax adjustments or sales tax increases he's eyeing to balance the budget. He's not yet at that point," he said.
3: "All I can say is we are starting here with cuts. That is really the way that we need to start. Um, uh, you know, we will we'll start to talk about other things uh, when we get there."
0: The governor said, "There's no agreement across the board for other solutions, but he continues to work with state house leaders on options." He said, "He's also in communication with leaders in the U.S. Congress,
3: not just in Illinois, but the but the uh, Speaker of the House and the Senate Minority Leader, uh, as well as a few others." to encourage you know, moving forward as quickly as possible with a stimulus plan that would include local and state governments.
0: National Federation of Independent Business Illinois State Director Mark Grant said the prospects of increased taxes would be compounded by increased unemployment insurance costs. The state's already borrowed billions from the federal government for that. They expect that paid back, <laughs> we're going to have to figure out how to do that. And, you know, they'll look at the business community once again to do that, and
1: um, that's going to be super expensive.
0: With the budget crunch, Democratic State Senator Robert Martwick said it's going to be difficult to balance trying to make the state's business climate competitive with increased costs.
1: They are right to be worried um, about increased costs as much as uh, every person in every tax class, be it whether they're middle class or working class or poor, should be concerned that once again that their income taxes are going to go up.
0: Martwick advocated for the failed progressive income tax. Republicans have said to increase revenue, the state must pass pro growth policies, not more taxes. And starting Friday, Pritzker administration COVID 19 mitigation has retail stores in Illinois operating at limited capacity, but still open. A retail association says it's a good balance. After weeks of the entire state's restaurants, bar, and industry being ordered to shut down for indoor
3: service, the governor Tuesday issued new orders on other sectors. You'll notice that retail stores, as well as personal services where you can keep your mask on, will remain open at limited capacities.
0: Illinois Retail Merchants Association Executive Director Rob Carr said the orders recognize all retail is essential. It has justified what we contended even back in March, that you don't need to draw distinctions between essential and non-essential
1: retail. There's no reason a bookstore, an apparel store, a craft store can't be
0: open under the same operating conditions as a grocery
1: store.
0: General retail will be limited to 25% capacity. Grocery stores and pharmacies can have 50% capacity. Masks are required across the board. Illinois Public Health officials are asking people to stay home for the Thanksgiving holiday and to stay home as much as possible. It's unclear what that means for the shopping season. Carr said retailers are likely going to space out the shopping season. They're uh, not
2: going
1: to drive uh, the deals uh, Deals are going to be available more th- broadly throughout uh, the, the holiday season, as opposed to concentrated certain time frames. Um, they're going to do their best to, to
0: help, uh, you know, spread out consumer demand. He said, while there likely won't be video of consumers brawling for the hottest Black Friday deals, he worries about other brawls with possible mask mandate enforcement.
1: And that has been a real issue because we're being asked to enforce a mask mandate, um, but we ha- don't have the legal uh, law enforcement capability
0: or authority uh, to really do that. Meanwhile, the governor's latest closure orders appear to ban popular indoor group activities like yoga, spin class, and CrossFit as temperatures drop across the state. Lauterbach has the latest. The order that takes effect Friday lowers capacity limits for traditional gyms and imposes other rules. It bans, quote, indoor group activities, which appears to include yoga, spin bike classes, and CrossFit sessions. Before the order, Pritzker received letters from medical societies and the fitness community asking him not to close indoor fitness activities. Chad Hobbs, owner of the factory in Bloomington, said on Tuesday that he supported taking steps to curb the spread of COVID 19, but people also need to keep their exercise routines through the winter. When people lose
2: that routine, the unhealthy lifestyle generally follows.
0: Should the state ultimately require him to close down and drastically alter his classes, he's confident he'll stay afloat but wasn't sure about others.
2: I think we could get through it, but I can't speak for every gym. You know, every, everybody's different.
0: He said Wednesday he's reviewing the new order. The state didn't respond to questions about smaller classes or one-on-one training for fitness classes like CrossFit or yoga. I'm Cole Lauterbach. An audit of the Illinois Department of Corrections found dozens of issues, including missing equipment and the misuse of employee sick leave and overtime. Kevin Bessler has that story. At a hearing Tuesday, the Legislative Audit Commission revealed millions have been spent on overtime for two years, ending in 2018, including $10 million at Stateville Prison alone.
2: Senator Chapin Rose said he is tired of hearing the same story year after year.
3: I've been here too long to keep hearing director after director come in to various committees and, you know, say, well, the last director did this and, and then it just seems like we get the next audit later and it doesn't happen.
0: IDOC Director Rob Jeffrey says the audit will help improve things in the future.
3: Prior to me,
2: I don't know what was going on, but what this report provides me is a blue point on how we can
1: improve our efficiency and how we can be more fiscally responsible.
2: IDOC still does not have
0: an automated payroll or timekeeping program, something Jeffrey says will not be in place until 2022. I'm Kevin Bessler. Those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at TheCenterSquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from The Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Illinois and Focus's Crosstalk segment. This is commentary powered by the Center Square here in Illinois. I'm Chris Crew, publisher of the Center Square, joined by my friend and colleague, our executive editor, Dan McCaleb. Dan, how are you?
2: Doing well, uh, Chris. Lots of news to talk about this week,
1: as it seems like there always is, but uh, look forward to our discussion. Well, I I think that there's just uh, no question that we have to start with what's going on Uh, in the ComEd investigation, indictments made, Michael Madigan's name, Speaker of the House Michael Madigan's name, uh, pulled back into the headlines. Of course, we haven't seen or heard much of anything from Mike Madigan for what feels like months. What's going on with the ComEd story and what's going on with Madigan?
2: Yeah, so we're, we're, we're uh, recording this on Thursday, November 19th. Um, on late Wednesday, uh, November 18th, the uh, federal government announced four new indictments handed down of, uh, of ComEd officials, uh, ComEd lobbyists, all of whom have pretty close ties with uh, Speaker Madigan. Uh, the bombshell, uh, well, I guess they're all sort of bombshells, but the most interesting one from my point of view is uh, longtime uh, ComEd Michael McClain, who is a very close confidant of Speaker Madigan, one of maybe three or four people closest to the longtime House Speaker. He was uh, charged in a 50-page indictment uh, with bribery, conspiracy, and bribery. Um, as we've talked about before, um, earlier uh, this year, ComEd uh, agreed in a deferred prosecution agreement to plead guilty to um, essentially uh, hiring and giving money to close Madigan confidence, confidants in exchange for favorable legislation through the state legislature. Of course, as House Speaker, uh, Michael Madigan c- controls all legislation that goes through the House, um, even so much as killing legislation if he doesn't like it um so this is just another big this is a big one, another big ping in the uh, case against Madigan. He has not been charged with the crime of course he denies wrongdoing, um, but the feds are getting closer to him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really it's a fascinating story and I mean this is something that we've been looking at now um, since the spring. I mean may, actually maybe it was winter when indictments were were ultimately um, handed down in the in the in the first part. Process-wise, what I mean, what do you know? Those who are interested in this, and if you, you know, in Illinois and you live in the state, this story should be of great interest to you simply because of the uh, power and authority that Michael Madigan has in his role as not only the Speaker of the House um, and having supermajority, you know, in in that sect, but also being uh, the number one uh, person with regard to the, the state Democrat Party.
2: Yeah, let's let's face it. Madigan is the most powerful politician in the state of Illinois. He's consolidated power as uh, Speaker of the House for all but two years since 1983, and as chairman of the Democratic Party, he controls. Uh, essentially Democratic fundraising. He can he yeah. the, the, the money that are donated to the Democratic Party, he also has two other uh, political action committees that he controls. He's got access to tens of millions of dollars um, uh, that he can use as he wishes. Um, we just had the election, of course, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he, he gives money to candidates that he support in exchange for that. Uh, when these candidates are elected to office, assuming they are elected to office, they owe Madigan um, uh, their positions essentially, and, and need to be loyal to them. Um, now they're it because of this ongoing federal investigation and the closer they get to Madigan, they're finally, thankfully are more and more Democrats saying the guy has too much power. It's about time. He had too much power 20 years ago. He had too much power 10 years ago. It's only now that the feds, uh, finally are going after him, uh, that the, the cracks in his power are starting to show. It will be interesting, um, as this uh, federal inve- investigation continues, you know, assuming you, we've got we had a presidential election of of course Joe Biden, a Democrat, is the presumptive uh, president elect. Still things to be ironed out there. Still voting re- irregularities to be looked into, lawsuits that are working their way through the courts. So we're only calling him a presumptive president elect at this point. But assuming he becomes president, it'll be interesting if under his administration. Um, this investigation continues. Of course, Madigan's a Democrat. Biden's a Democrat. Um, that that should have absolutely nothing to do with fraud and corruption investigations whatsoever. So let's hope the feds continue down this path. Um, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if before that transition happens, assuming that transition is, is going to happen, if the feds do actually come down and indict Madigan.
1: So one of the, just sort of the pieces of this is, is you know, in in the state of Illinois, you, you have a, you know, a, a first-term governor in, in uh, J.B. Pritzker, who's also a Democrat. Um, not necessarily a, a Madigan guy, doesn't need to be. I mean, when you're a billionaire, you don't have to be anybody's guy. Uh, the connection or disconnection between Pritzker and Madigan, what... What's your read on that? I mean, um, and I raised this question, um, or this point around a question that was asked of him uh, at a recent uh, COVID-19 uh, news briefing as a question that was being asked to uh, J.B. Pritzker. And the question was, have you spoken, you know, with Michael Madigan? Um, and, and his answer on that is, you know, kind, I would say, kind of blurry. I mean, not clear. Um, uh, but, not really was the answer. I mean, that was absolutely my takeaway, that there really hadn't been like a cogent conversation there. Yet he's able to talk to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, about funding. He can't speak to the, own, to the Speaker of his own state. But, so what's the, what's the deal there and what's going on? Two
2: things to, to answer your question. Pritchard still realizes that Michael Magan wields a lot of power. That power might be um, uh, shrinking. Because of what's 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 come out in this uh, ongoing federal investigation, so he's not he's afraid he's he he, he does he's not ready uh, to play his hand yet and come out strongly against Madigan. Okay. However, he also understands too politically that Madigan's got some issues and mm-hmm. that if he gets too close to Madigan, um, it could hurt him uh, politically. Of sure. course, um, uh, uh, Pritzker did come out finally two weeks ago. And said um, that Madigan should step down as the chairman of the state Democratic Party, but he right. has yet he has yet to make that commitment to Madigan's role as the uh, powerful Illinois House Speaker. That yeah. should be the next step, right? Of course, because of the November election, there is going to be a new vote for Speaker in January. Um, every two years, um, the lawmakers, uh, the state legislatures, who are newly elected, uh, get together, and the first item of business is voting on who's going to be there later, who is going to be the House Speaker. That will happen in January of this year. Um, If Democrats elect Mike Madigan again with this huge cloud hanging over it, they all should just resign from their jobs. Um, It's it's clear. We don't, again, need to stress this. Madigan has not been charged with a crime. But it's clear that his connection to this case um, uh, means he should should not be in any leadership positions.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, Dan, as we're talking about this, the news is actually developing. We just got a statement from Michael Madigan, who has, you know, sporadically, uh, but when pressed, uh, has released, you know, just very short statements about what's going on with ComEd. You want to give everybody an update on that?
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. So the the speaker has released a statement uh, regarding these latest charges against uh, the four individuals from ComEd who are close to him. And what he's saying is that if anyone at ComEd tried to bribe him, quote, it was never made known to me. So he's so he's he's denying it again like he has in the past. Um, let, let me, if I can, I'll just read some of these quotes because it's new to me. I'm just seeing these now for the first time. Uh, if it had been known to me, it would have been profoundly unwelcome, uh, Madigan said. Um and that's really, That's he's repeating that uh, uh, over and over again. He said he know, didn't know anything about any bribery scheme, even though ComEd admitted and agreed to pay $200 million fine um, uh, that it was um, hiring people close to Madigan and paying people individuals money for doing no work to gain favor with Madigan. He's just saying he didn't know it, uh, know anything about it. Uh, let, let me read a little bit more of this. Okay, go ahead. If there was credible evidence that I had engaged in criminal misconduct, which I most certainly did not, I would be charged with a crime, Madigan said. So he's he's essentially saying they haven't charged me, so I haven't done anything wrong. Don't know about that, but that's what he's saying. He, I'll continue. But I have not. And with good reason, because there is nothing wrong or illegal about making job recommendations, regardless of what people inside ComEd may have hoped to achieve from hiring some of the people who were recommended. So he's essentially admitting, yeah, you know, I recommended ComEd hire my close uh, business friends and associates, but it wasn't quid quid pro quo. I wasn't going to do that. They're going to scratch my back, but I'm not going to scratch their back uh, in return.
1: Dan, of course, this is new information, and I suspect that there will be uh, continued discussion of this that the Center Square will be covering over the next few days. I want to just suggest that everybody keep an eye on the centersquare.com for updates uh, on this story as new information becomes available. As far as it goes with uh, J.B. Pritzker, um, you know, of course, we live in Illinois, and, and um, every state is operated differently, right? I mean, we saw that in the elections. Every state has a different set of, of rules and, 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 and certainly laws for elections. Illinois is one of the only states in the United States that has not involved its legislature in COVID or COVID mitigation-related discussions, that this has largely been a one-man show, um, we have new COVID uh, restrictions that have just been laid on us. You know, with, aimed at mitigation. The numbers in the state are not good. They're trending in a in a in a like in a profoundly negative way with regard to the way that the state reports numbers. Uh, that being cases, uh, hospitalizations are up. ICU numbers are up. Ventilator numbers are up the death rate at this point continues to be more in line with what we saw this summer. So when, when uh, we were first dealing with COVID, uh, not just as a country, but just specific to the state of Illinois, that, you know, that the death rate was in the neighborhood of, of, of four point, I think it was 4.8% or 4.9% it was just under 5% among people who were hospitalized. Right. I mean, that was the, yeah. that was the number, right. So well, not all people in the state, but if you had COVID and you had COVID bad enough that you were going to be hospitalized, you had a 1 in 20 chance of not making it, right? You had a 19 in 20 chance of making it. That number now is more like you have a 99.1% chance of making it if you've been right. hospitalized. Right. Um, so we've made some really, really nice progress there. But the concern in the state is the overwhelming of the medical facilities, and more so, the overwhelming of the medical personnel to treat what is a surge in cases that require hospitalization. And that's where we are right now. Is that is that fair to say about? Yeah,
2: that's, that's,
1: this, that's, that's this,
2: fair. This, this pandemic, you know, has been going on for eight months now. Healthcare workers, um, while our hospital system is still. Fine. The concern is there that um, these these numbers continue to grow, that it will be, will become uh, overwhelmed. And let, let's face it, the healthcare workers have been going through this now for eight months, so they're they're probably tired. So it's it's understandable.
1: Yeah. So it, we have new measures that are that by the time that people are listening to Illinois in Focus this week, that will have gone into place. They go into place on uh, Friday, I believe, at like some arbitrary time of the day, like. Six o'clock or something like that. What is included in this round of uh, mitigation, as it pertains to public access of private businesses and private? I would just say, yeah, let's just leave it in that realm, in private business. Okay, so so indoor dining at restaurants and bars has been for, has been forbidden for a
2: couple of weeks now, right? Three weeks, I think. Um, these new mitigations that will go into place on Friday are, are going to have a big, big impact on retailers. Grocery stores, uh, which have been can- considered, you know, quote unquote, essential businesses um, from day one. And I agree there are I would consider them essential businesses. They're going to ha- they can only operate at 50 percent um, capacity. And I assume that's um, that's determined by the fire the, the state fire marshal or the local fire uh, de- departments. Uh, who say you know, like for example, uh, let's just say a Walmart or a Jewel Osco, for ha- fire hazard reasons, you can have this many, let's say 500 people in there. Well, under mm-hmm. these new um, mitigations, uh, you're capped at 50% of whatever the fire marshal says is uh, safe. Okay. Uh, and, so and so that's grocery stores. Other retail outlets that do not sell groceries are going to be capped at 25. Uh, percent capacity. Hotels are essentially going to be shutting down. Um,
1: And that's uh, the, that's the word that we get in. And that is largely around the viability of trying to operate the hotel in response to the mitigation, which is preventing travel, um, you know, into, into the, into Illinois. Specifically, this is a uh, a huge issue in Chicago. I mean, a huge issue. Absolutely. Because of the amount of, Tax that's placed on people who are staying in hotels is one of the, I believe, might be the highest in the nation. I agree. Yes, I think so. Yes. So, so, so what, I mean, what else is, what else is in there? And, and what does, you know, I mean, as you process this, what does it mean? Fit, well, let me just, let me just add two fitness okay. centers, essentially
2: gyms, okay. uh, are going to be limited one to 25% capacity, two, there's a mask mandate. So I mean, if if it's, it's November, right? So people who like to run out and parks and whatnot, as it gets colder, uh, they they trend more towards gyms, fitness centers. Right. Um, uh, I don't know if you've if you often uh, use a treadmill, for example. Can you imagine running for three or four miles with a mask on on a treadmill?
1: Yeah, that would be uh, that would be miserable.
2: Yeah. So so that so those are requirements or uh, those are restrictions and then another one is things like yoga classes, um crossfit classes, spin classes they're they're forbidden. Okay. Um, so gyms are going to be uh hurt significantly. Of course, okay. things like music venues and theaters have been essentially shut down since uh since March. So right. the impact the impact the long-term impact on these business owners, their employees, and the economy in general is going to be huge. It's going to be so so much worse, um, honestly, in my opinion, than what COVID-19 uh, has been. That, that, that said, you know, every death, um, every person that died from COVID, I, I feel for them and their families and everything like that. But the long-term ramifications of these government sh- shutdowns, it's just going to be brutal.
1: You know the the one piece of this puzzle. You know, as I think about like you know just Illinois and and the the small business owners you know that I know and uh, people that own you know small shops and restaurants and and uh, and uh, bars and and whatnot places where people congregate and really where I think in large part where in uh, where small where small towns come together um they're they're gonna be they're gonna be badly hurt by this and then the the biggest shopping day of the year for the small main street retailers is um is small business tuesday which follows black friday and cyber monday um those stores are going to be drastically reduced in terms of the volume of customers that they can service and a lot of these small um retailers do not have e-commerce components. I mean, you know, candle shops and places where you would like, you know, and get like, uh, you know, uh, olive oil and you know the, the the kitschy little stuff that I think a lot of people actually look forward to buying as gifts for for you know for Christmas and and uh, and Hanukkah. They're they're going to be really 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 in bad shape this year. Well, so, first let me just say
2: it's, it's Small Business Saturday.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, forgive me. Okay.
2: Um, so yeah, and they've already been devastated. Um, uh, if they, if they're forced, uh, to close down or to limit their capacity to 25%, you know, it's Christmas shopping season, as you said, um, uh, it, it many of these, many of these, uh, storefronts, uh, might be boarded up and gone by come spring because these, these business owners, these small business owners just can't sustain this. They can't keep staff on, um, they can't pay their mortgages. They can't, you know, feed their families because uh, Governor Pritzker is forcing them essentially um, uh, to re- reduce their, significantly reduce their customer
1: base. Right. And so, you know, we'd mentioned this just a moment ago, uh, you know, that that the governor is largely uh, a one-man show uh, on COVID. I mean, uh, certainly, you know, he keeps pointing to Dr. Zika and the and the the cast of uh, of uh, characters that he has doing his modeling and, you know, and it's the science and the data. Um, the, the pushback against that approach within the legislature of Illinois has been, I would say, uneven. Um, Dems are not really coming forward and saying, gee, I'd really like to be part of this decision-making. Republicans, I would say, in a disappointing way, have not been as forceful in calling for an opportunity to, to deal with some of these restrictions legislatively. Not that they would have the, the, the strength in their numbers because they're outsized by supermajorities in the House and the Senate to do anything. But the fact that we're not being able to discuss this publicly, the fact that they're not even getting to really access the data at a level that a legislature should have, there's starting to be a little bit of an uprising. Avery Bourne, the Republican from uh, downstate uh, uh, Raymond, Illinois, has uh, been outspoken about this, as have others. What are they saying?
2: Well, yeah, Republicans have been at least um, arguing that they should be part of the the process and the decision making. Democrats have been—it's—it's it's kind of sad. Democ—it's it, it, pathetic, actually. Since March, um, the Democrat-controlled legislature, both the House and the Senate, have had nothing had want have wanted nothing to do with with, with checking the governors. Um, power, of course, the governor's a Democrat, and, and uh, both chambers are controlled by Democrats. But you would—they're I mean, elected uh, to make laws and to deal with crises such as this pandemic, and they're doing—they're non-existent. They—they they might as well—it's—it's almost like that—that that, uh, uh, that chamber of power is—is—is is, is just disappeared once the pandemic started. Um, and at the Center Square, we cover state governments across the country, right? Mm-hmm. Every single other state. Um, off the top of my head, their legislatures have been involved. In some cases, it's been a confrontational uh, thing where legislatures right. are pushing back events against their governor and their governor's mitigation efforts. But in a, at least in some case, there's dialogue between the, the the legislative branch and the executive branch. And there's attempts by the uh, legislative branch to check the governor's power in some states, um, even, in, even in, in states that uh, are both both controlled by one party. For Ohio, take Ohio for example. The Ohio Republican-controlled legislature; they have a, a Republican governor. The legislature is actively involved in the mitigation efforts, and in some cases, is pushing back on the governor's uh, mitigation efforts in, in in that state, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. In Illinois, the legislatures they disappeared. They're not doing anything.
1: Right. It is an anomaly here in Illinois the way that this is being managed, and it's been. I'd like to tell you that it's been fascinating to watch, but it's been very frustrating to watch because uh, the thinking is so, well, I mean, not just the, well, the thinking is absolutely independent.
2: Um, you know, and let me, let me say one other thing too, not to tie everything back to this, the, the scandal surrounding Michael Madigan, Madigan sure. himself has been invisible since March. Um, uh, he's, he's released some statements, uh, as new developments come out in the federal uh, investigation, um, but he's been invisible. And I have to wonder, uh, how much of that federal corruption probe, um, has, uh, has caused this. Um, if, if Speaker Madigan wants to hold hearings, you, you can bet hearings are going to be held. He doesn't right. want to hold hearings. He, de- right. he does not want to be questioned. He does not want to be held accountable for what's going on in this uh, corruption probe. Um, so he has largely let the governor uh, manage the crisis on his own. And that's just another reason why Madigan has to go. He should not be the House Speaker. Um, he should not be the Chairman of the Democratic Party. Um, and I, I do think if there's new leadership there, there is more dialogue. There are hearings on uh, Governor Pritzker's reaction to this. Um, and the public can be more informed about it.
1: Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no legislative check on the action uh, that's that's happening. I mean, the, and the governor is, you know, as we've said, is is acting in, independently. Um, one piece of good news, I mean, uh, and not just for Illinois but for the United States and and you know, um, hopefully for the world, is that vaccine development seems to be uh, in line with what President Trump had said, you know, with regard to Operation Warp Speed. And the results uh, or the clinical testing of these vaccines sounds very, very encouraging.
2: It, uh, absolutely very encouraging. Um, Pfizer first last week, a week and a half ago, um, uh, said, uh, released details that it's uh, phase three trials on its the vaccine it's working on with BioNTech um, was, was more than 90% effective. Well, uh, this week, just this week, uh, just Wednesday, uh, yes, just yesterday, uh, taping this on Thursday, of course, November 19th, came out and with more data that showed it's more than 95% effective. Um, okay. it, in a trial of more than 40,000 people, um, it, it gave uh, the vaccine, its experimental vaccine, to about half of the subjects, and it gave a, a, a placebo to another half of the subjects. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, in the placebo of the more than 20,000 people, uh, in the trial w- w- with more than 20,000 people who got the experimental vaccine. Um, uh, only, uh, looking at my data here, um, only eight cases, only eight of those people, um, c- uh, contracted COVID-19, even though they were, um, uh, exposed to COVID-19. Okay. So essentially what they're saying is that, uh, one or 19 and 20 people who are vaccinated, uh, with the, with their new drug, um, uh, would be immune from COVID 19.
1: Okay, so to talk about this story. Um, Cole Lauterbach, uh, found a story, um, that published on Tuesday about skepticism, um, around the, the vaccine and how that could hamper, uh, reopening plans. Is this about distribution? Is this about? The vaccine and the effectiveness itself is it, what, what's really underneath.
2: Honestly, that? I think I, I think I think part of it has to do with the politi- politicization of the of the process. You know, President Donald Trump and the CDC um, from the outset of the uh, the, the pandemic ha- have been pushing for Operation Lightspeed, right? And it's, yeah, that's what they call it. Uh, have been pushing for a quick. Uh, thera- for, for quick development of both therapeutics to treat people who get COVID-19 and uh, uh, quick development of a vaccine um, so people um, can be immune t- uh, to, to COVID-19. Right. And a- as you said, um, President Trump appears to be right in that we would have a, a vaccine, a potential vaccine by November of this year. Um, but I think Democrats, particularly, uh, there are a whole series of states – um, controlled by Democratic governors who have come out and said, "You, know, we're not trusting a vaccine that President Trump's uh, uh, CDC authorizes or FDA authorizes. Uh, we have to make sure it's safe. And I think that's driven skepticism in a lot of people, in a lot of constituents.
1: So um, that's not great. And and, um, and I think that that creates some level of mistrust for the therapeutic uh, why in the world are we in this spot? I mean, what, what, how has it come? How has it come to that at this point? Yeah, it's
2: it's 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 kind of sad. Um, some of it is on President Trump, just because of his style, he turns a lot of people off. But we have to trust. We have to trust our medical community. I mean, f- Pfizer's been doing this um, for decades. They develop. They've developed. They've developed some unbelievable treatments uh, t- to all different kinds of diseases. Um, They are not going to, they're not doing this for president Trump. They're doing this for uh, actual, you know, residents around the world, people around the world, because they say by next year, they're going to have more than a billion uh, doses of this thing uh, that can be um, mobilized, not just in the U S but in countries around the world. Um, It's, it's, it's sad that it's gotten to this point. um, But through the trials, they, in addition to saying it's 95% effective, they've also said it's safe um no one has uh none of the 40,000 people in their trials have contracted any any symptoms that would be deemed life-threatening or anything like that mm-hmm. so um I, i'm certainly hopeful uh that that as as it's approved by the FDA which could be as early as the end of this month and distribution begins of course uh healthcare workers and those most vulnerable will get the will get the vaccine first Mm -hmm. Um, But there's expected to be wide distribution where the general public can receive the vaccine at some point, maybe at the end of the first quarter or the beginning of the second quarter next year. And, um, you know, as we learn more about the vaccine and as more people get the vaccine uh, and it's proven safe, I hope that skepticism does go away.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. And, And I mean, that only, I think, creates more economic uncertainty. And, you know, with regard to the budget that the, that the state legislature passed for fiscal year 2021, which began on July 1st, 2020, um, we went into this year um, with things that had to happen for the budget to be in good shape. And, um, and one of those things that was not a small thing was the passage of the progressive income tax, which failed miserably uh which leaves a massive hole in the budget um somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five billion dollars and here at the same time you know um that we're dealing with uh what appears to be a new level of shutdown that will mirror the shutdowns that we had in april march and april uh, that gap from tax revenue is almost certain to increase so this is a moving target Pritzker has, at the very least, started to talk about what he might have to do in terms of what probably should have been discussed when the legislature last got together, which is cuts to the state budget. What's the new news there?
2: Honestly, now... I'll believe it when I see it I guess is where I'm at with this thing um, you, you know back in March when the governor first ordered not quote unquote non-essential businesses um, to be shut down, um, we knew we were going to have a tax revenue problem, right We mm-hmm. knew uh, well, well, unemployment skyrocketed so income so people stopped paying income taxes' if you're, if you're unemployed, you're not paying income taxes, right? If you shut down stores, people aren't buying things so sales taxes. Uh, Are going down. Even though we had the, the, even though last year's legislature doubled uh, the gas tax because of the shutdown orders, people weren't traveling anywhere. So the gas tax dollars were. So we knew back in March, tax revenue was going to be an issue, right? Did Governor Pritchard start making plans then to cut expenses? No. In fact, it's just been the past month or so that he started talking about uh, cutting expenses. But where are those expense cuts? Why haven't we done it already? Tax right. revenue is going to uh, dovetail again because of these new mitigation efforts, and we're still just talking about tax cuts. The legislature, as we've said, has been non-existent, um, so they're not involved. Pritchard said, "Yeah, we're going to have to cut. We're going to have to cut expenses." Well, where where are those expense cuts, and why haven't they happened yet?
1: Right. And in the meantime, you know, you still have. I mean. Insane amounts of complaints around state offices that have not had any cuts. In fact, we've added people to the Illinois Department of Employment Security. That remains, frankly, an operational disaster. Uh, people have not been, you know, paid. F- going back to, you know, in some cases we've heard March and April on unemployment claims. The Secretary of State's office. Um, has been, you know, a a disaster with regard to them being open and closed and then intermittently closed for uh, COVID mitigation at the, basically at the office level. Simply what is this state government doing? And and why would you not be able to cut operations that are not doing work right now? Right, right.
2: But yeah, no furloughs at the Secretary of State's office. Let's just stay with you. They shut down their offices for too much. We're doing nothing. Uh, no one was going to work, but they didn't furlough any of their employees. Like the private sector, of course, had to. Right. Um, with just going by the massive uh, unemployment numbers that we've seen. Right. Um, and then, of of course, uh, as you mentioned at the top of this. Uh, this discussion about uh, the state budget. Um, uh, Pritzker and and the Democratic-controlled legislature want more of our tax money. They want more of your tax money. They want more of my tax money. They want more of our listeners' tax money because they don't want to make the hard decisions about expenses. Uh, Thus, you had the progressive tax. Voters soundly rejected it. They're tired of sending more of their money to Springfield for people like Michael Madigan um, uh, to blow on their friends and allies. Enough's enough you're not taking any more of our tax dollars, although I say that now um uh, uh, uh across the board income tax it sure uh, I, that
1: they're gonna be taking more of our tax dollars yeah. they're gonna be doing it through a different methodology so you'll have a in what you know what we're looking at is a is a, an increase to individual filers uh on the income side of you know the the state maximum that uh uh deputy governor uh, Juliana Stratton said that, you know, you can expect a 20% increase if the progressive tax doesn't pass. So that was telegraph. So in all likelihood, individual filers will be moving from 4.95% to 5.94%. And the business filers who are at 7.95% are going to be moving, you know, uh, I guess it would be closer to 9%. And guess what? If that happens, you, this is
2: happening during a, during a pandemic when the governor is shutting down businesses, yeah. forcing businesses to lay off employees. It's just it's it's ridiculous. It's it's this endless
1: cycle of of, of who knows where it's going to end. Well, one I think one of the sort of like the 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 biggest ironies, and this is a t- I mean I, this is sad as well, is that the industry through which uh, Governor J. B. Pritzker's family. Uh, built its empire and amassed its wealth was the hotel industry, right? right? I, and and in all likelihood, the greatest amount of damage that could that uh, that would certainly appear to be long term, forward leaning damage, even post pandemic, would be to the hotel industry uh, in Chicago specifically, but certainly generally across the state of Illinois. I mean, if you can't come into Illinois to do business and with the city of chicago being, you know, virtually on uh you know, shutdown, something bordering martial law at this point. Um, you're certainly not going to be able to get conventions in. You're certainly not going to, you know, have the kind of tourist shopping that we would historically have over o- over this christmas season where people literally would come, you know, stay in hotels, shop the magnificent mile, take their halls, you know, home for their for their family for gift giving and then you know, what has historically been, you know, a lot of suburbanites and people from elsewhere in the state of Illinois coming into Chicago to shop at the high end retailers. That's gone. The hotel industry, though, I think is going to have a very, very difficult time bouncing back from this. Yes. So
2: essentially, hotels were shut down from like the middle of March um when the governor issued his first executive order, his first executive order locking down the state. Um, so hotel employees were largely furloughed from March until maybe about the end of June, the beginning of July, when things started loosening up again. If they have to do that again, you're going to see bankruptcies galore. The, the, the folks that own these hotels uh, with the second shutdown um, aren't going to be able to manage them anymore. So what does that mean? You know, in 2021, in 2022, and 2023, when when the pandemic is over, or the the vaccine uh, has proven to be effective, we want to start opening things up again. They might not be opening up because they're no longer there.
1: And the and I mean, and one of the simple facts of business and in, in in an operating a business is that what can be destroyed in a matter of days, weeks, or months can take years
2: to rebuild. Right. Absolutely.
1: So I, unfortunately- I mean, I'm, I'm very concerned for, for all of our friends in the hotel industry. And I mean, you think about, you know, in, how vital that is to, to Chicago and how vital that is, frankly, ar- around the, the state of Illinois. It, it's just, it's, it's, it it's sad. It, I mean, it really, it hurts my heart.
2: Agreed. And, and I would throw, you know, restaurants uh, in there, small business, retail outlets. Um, it's, it's, I can't even imagine what what you know, what what it's going to look like a year from now, assuming we're past covid, um, just all the empty storefronts that are going to be in in our downtowns um, because of this.
1: For those people who haven't had an opportunity or never wanted to or didn't bother to venture into Chicago over the last uh, six or seven months, it looks like uh, it looks like a war zone. It looks like East Germany. I mean, it really it's just a it's it's a. It, 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 it's a hollowed out shell of what it once was streets that had literally hundreds of people out walking around on them, going to businesses, staying in hotels, um, you know, eating at local restaurants. It's gone. You know, there's, there's still remnants of, of the, the uh, riots and, uh, and uh, civil unrest that, that we watched all summer long. Storefronts are boarded up. It's uh, it is, uh its Honestly like uh they could i mean if anybody has a a, a script for a post apocalyptic film they could easily bring that to Chicago and pull it off without spending any money on set.
2: Yeah it's 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 I I don't know what else to say about it other than then I'm not looking forward to see what the fallout from this is going to be because it's going to be bad. And a well, lot of people are going to be hurt by it. Um, and it's just not going to be the same. Chicago is not going to be the same, you know, you know this is w- everywhere.
1: This week, uh, takes us into Thanksgiving. And, and I've, I've mentioned this on, on Illinois and focus before. It's my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, I did have plans to go, uh, out of state to spend it with family. They've been canceled. Uh, COVID mitigations in other States are, um, well i mean it really varies from state to state but i have pl- made plans to go to pennsylvania and it's it's completely unrealistic uh with regard to what the state of pennsylvania is doing again that is a you know uh, governor wolf in pa um though the legislature has been active is has, has been probably as dictatorial in terms of of policy uh in pennsylvania as uh, uh jb pritzker has been in illinois um what is the grip with getting together uh here in illinois with with regard to family and family gatherings there's there's a um cautionary i guess warning about any gathering of any kind at this point what's the guidance
2: yeah well governor pritzker is asking essentially families extended families not to get together just keep thanksgiving dinner of course thanksgiving as you you mentioned um uh you going to pennsylvania i've also uh the past five five, six years or so gone to my mom's house and we've had extended family um uh for dinner we're not doing that either this year it's just going to be our our household um together and that's what governor pritzker wants um but there's no way to enforce that of course uh families are still going to get together um and they just have to make their own smart decisions please
1: you know be safe i hope i hope I hope they do, and I hope the families do get together, and I hope that the families who do get together execute it properly and that they can enjoy the holiday with loved ones, friends, and family and and uh uh I just think it's so vitally important um that we don't lose ourselves in this mess.
2: it's been tough and we've talked about a lot of different things, but it's been tough mentally and emotionally on a lot of people too. We have to keep that in mind. Um, So best wishes to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: I appreciate that. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Dan. Always a pleasure. Thanks for making the time today. As always, I enjoyed it. For Dan McHale, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to Illinois in Focus Crosstalk segment powered by the center square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the center square is working on
0: next week. Next week, the team at the Center Square will monitor the continued fallout from the indictments in the ComEd bribery scheme with documents connected to the situation expected to be released by a House committee. We'll also track the ongoing COVID-19 mitigation as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.